Thank you, Raz. Let's have an encouragement for the worship team today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And church, I, I hope you're encouraged as Jamie shared about how we're doing and uh, moving outward and considering mm -hmm. those around us and their needs and uh, the opportunity to give. So I'm um, just excited this morning to continue our journey in Colossians. And uh, I'm going to get some help today from Liz Baker. Would you welcome her? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Liz is married to Royce. They're one of the supported missionaries of our congregation mm -hmm. with the Ministry of Crew. Uh, Liz working locally on campus and Royce working regionally. And um, she's a mom of four and um, she's a terrific Bible teacher and she's going to be helping us today on Colossians 1. We're going to be starting in verse 9 this morning. If you want to turn to Colossians 1 verse 9. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to be in Colossians because it is a powerful ancient letter, and it's speaking really loud and clear. Our title of the series, if you can go back one, is Truth Grounded in Christ. You know, it's, it's amazing how often uh, I hear a message that is encouraging Christians to try harder and to get out there and do stuff, and Paul makes it absolutely clear that this entire letter is about the supremacy of Christ, Christ at the center, Christ providing the power for everything that we do. And, and we really, as, as we go through this series, I want us to become super clear on the gospel, uh, the, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, paid our sins on the cross, ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit. It's all powered by him. And everything that happens in our hearts and in our lives comes from him. And because of that, um, he is excited to write to this church. And he, he didn't plant this church. He's never met these people except for Epaphras. And it's the same with us. We should be cheering every church on. We're on the same team. We may believe different things, slight different things. But those that are committed to the gospel all over our city, all over our country, we should be cheering them on. And Paul does exactly that uh, in this letter. So he, uh, he comes now to verse 9, and through the verse 14, this is a powerful prayer that Paul is praying uh, over the church and actually encourages us to pray it over other churches and over our own church. And this is a prayer that I pray often. So we're going to start just by praying the prayer, and when I wrap up this message uh, at the end, we're going to be encouraging you to pray this prayer this week over all of your domains. So for this reason, when I first heard of you, I have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have endurance, joy, uh, patience, giving thanks to the Father because he has 
qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness mm -hmm. and brought us in to the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, as we speak through this letter, uh, this prayer this morning, God, would you help us see that the only way to walk with you is to have Jesus at the very center. And we ask in his name. Amen. Over to you, Liz. Yes. Thanks so much, Dennis. I feel like I was sitting here listening to Paul talk to the church. That was so uh, good. What a way Lord. to start. Let's go for yes. it. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to do, I'll show you our quick outline of what we're going to be walking through this morning. And so we have six verses and it's a prayer in three parts. So the first part will be um, about walking in the knowledge of God. Part two will be walking in the power of God. And part three, walking in the kingdom of God. And we're going to dive in right now with the first part, walking in the knowledge of God. So we're going to look at verses 9 and 10 together. And Paul starts this with a statement. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And the we there, if you guys remember um, Jamie talking last week, does anyone remember who the we is there? Paul and Timothy, yes, Paul and Timothy. They haven't ceased to pray. And I love that he starts this off by sharing that he's praying for them and then going on to share his specific prayer for them. I feel like there's something really like sweet and humbling when someone tells you that they're praying for you. And I, I can imagine the Colossian, Colossian church hearing that they haven't ceased to pray for them is such a beautiful thing. But there's also something really, really powerful when someone shares specifically what they're praying for you. So Paul goes on to say, not just that they're praying for them, which would be really beautiful and sweet in and of itself, but he goes on to tell them exactly what he's praying for them. So what he's praying for them is the second half of verse 9. He's asking that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will, and his there is God. So we're going to say God's will. Um, that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul loves to use a lot of words, so we're going to just kind of sum that up, what he's praying for, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as he's praying that they would know God more. He's praying that they would know God and his will. So that's what he's praying. And then he goes on in verse 10 to share why he's praying that. He's praying that they would know God more, so, verse 10 starts with the word so, and whenever you see a word like that in scripture, that's a conjunction word. We're going to go back to high school English for like one second. It's a conjunction word. If you see so, but, therefore, then, because, if you see, since, yes, if you see one of those in scripture, that should kind of slow you down. Your ears should perk up. And you should look really closely at what comes before and after that because we often learn a lot about God through seeing what, become, what comes before and after those conjunction words in scripture. So he's saying what he prayed was that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God. And he's praying that so, so this is the why, um, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then he goes on to, he has three descriptive phrases of what walking in a manner worthy of the Lord looks like or is. And he says that um, it's fully pleasing to him, to God, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
So what we see is that the outward flow of their knowledge from verse 9 actually changes their life and behavior or the way that they walk in verse 10, right? So they're not just learning and then being like, that is so nice that we know that about God. Like, praise him. You know, like they are actually, there is an outward flow of what they're learning about God. And it's changing the world around them. Um, what we're going to do now, so I think sometimes there's like a little bit of a visual, like we have a little bit of a visual impairment with scripture because it's just like a bunch of words in a box, right? And we need to pull some of those words out or we'll never internalize them <laughs> because it's just too much, right? So we're going to pull out some words. It moved our arrows. I was going to say, this isn't quite what it looks like. Right. Um, that is a great way of looking at this, Sammy. <laughs> well, Dennis and I nailed the um, title of this chart, I would say, Cycle of Growth and Knowledge. I think one of our strengths is probably snappy names. But um, right. that's a joke, but guys. But not visualization. Not <laughs> All right. I think you can imagine where the arrows you'll, are. You'll be, able to, you'll be able to catch on. This is not okay. like, um, like, this isn't like right. uh, doctorate level information. So... I think you'll be able to follow. <laughs> so, but what, so what Paul's saying is that they're growing in their knowledge of God. That's verse 9, right? And that that um, knowledge is, over, is affecting their walk. So then their, their knowledge is causing them to walk in a manner worthy of God. And then that walking is characterized by being fully pleasing to God and bearing fruit. Now, when Dennis and I were talking about this, Dennis said, Liz, does this idea of something being fully pleasing to God and bearing fruit remind you of anything in Scripture? And I couldn't think of anything. I wonder if you guys can. Does that remind you guys of anything from Scripture, those kind of descriptive phrases? Anyone brave? Psalm 92. Okay, I don't know that one. Off the top of my head. Okay, Genesis 1 was what Dennis pointed at me to. That this idea that God was creating things, right? And he kept declaring them good. Everything he created was good. It was fully pleasing to him. There was a sense of bearing fruit. The trees in the garden were bearing fruit. Adam and Eve were commanded to be fruitful and multiply. And what were they doing in the garden? They were walking with God in the cool of the day. So there's this sense that Paul is hearkening us back to this restoration of walking with God. That when we grow in our knowledge of God, it changes the way that we walk. And that walk is this restoration of Genesis 1, where we're walking with God. We're bearing fruit, and we're living lives that are fully pleasing to him, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that as we, as, we grow, as we walk with him, we kind of have this other kind of knowledge that we gain. We have this experiential knowledge. So I think we start with learning about God through his word or talking to other people about him. But as we walk with him, we grow in our experiential knowledge of him. And so we're walking, it's pleasing to him, and it's growing us back into learning him more. It's increasing our knowledge of him again. So it's this very like fulfilling and beautiful cycle where we're growing in him, and it's letting us know him, him more. And God is just a never-ending well of, of knowledge, right? 
if we know him just a little, like we want to know him more. And when we know him more, we still want more. And I would say I'm 20 years into walking with God, and I want to know him more now than I ever have in my life. And, it's, and I know the most that I've ever known, right? Um, there's this quote Matthew Henry says, those who know much of Christ should covet to know him more. Just this sense of like the more we know of Christ, like the more we want to know him. He's just a never-ending well. And I would say this cycle can spin out. So what happens when we, when we learn something about God, we grow in our knowledge of him, but we don't use it. We just kind of sit on it or we just choose to go our own way. Instead of going in this like, life-giving circle, we spin out of the circle and we choose sin. We choose to go our own way. We choose not to believe true things about God. And when we do that, it hardens our heart. And then even what we know of God is kind of taken away from us. We don't, if, we, if we don't walk in it, we're not living out that belief. And we don't um, know him the way that we would, would if we were living in obedience. So kind of as Dennis said when we were, when we were planning, he said, um, you use the knowledge or you lose it. Like, if we're not using it and walking with God, we lose it, right? So that's the cycle that we're in. And there um, is a sense that, so Paul gave us the what of what he was praying. What was he praying? Anyone? From verse 9? That his... He was praying that they would grow in their knowledge with God, yes. And why was he praying that? So that they would walk, uh uh-huh, walk, yes, uh uh-huh, they would walk and be fruitful, you're right, and grow. What he doesn't explicitly state is how we grow in our knowledge of God, but I think it's actually in these verses if we make a comparison to our life. So I know Royce, I'm married to him, and I know his family, (laughs) right? This is his mom, Linda. She's with us today. Um, Hi, Linda. Hey, Linda. (laughs) Um, Okay, but when I married into Royce's family, I knew things about them because Royce had told me things about them. I knew their names. I knew some of their traditions. But in order to really grow in my knowledge of them, I needed to be part of their family. I needed to walk with their family. So I would say one of my favorite things about their family, Linda knows this, is Christmas Eve. It's my favorite tradition that they have. They make this really delicious minestrone soup, and we make these things called puffs. They are bread dough that you, like, stretch out and then fry in oil, and then you salt it, and then you eat it with the soup, and it's so good. So But what I didn't know the first Christmas that I joined their family was that the minestrone soup has a bay leaf in it. If you've cooked a lot, you know the bay leaf. You're not supposed to eat it, but apparently if you get the bay leaf in your bowl, that's like a, is it good luck or? Good luck. All right. Okay, so what I didn't know was that Grandpa always got the bay leaf in his bowl. (laughs) So guess who got the bay leaf in their bowl my first Christmas there? Me. And it was kind of like everyone was like, oh, you got the bay leaf? Uh, Grandpa always gets the bay leaf. <laughs> so I knew their family, but I didn't know their family, right? I needed to experience the nuances 
of being part of their family, and I did that through walking with them through an experience. And I never, I always checked my bowl after that and made sure their bay leaf was not in it. (laughs) And it's similar with God, right? There's some things that we know about God through his word that we know because we've read them, because we've talked about them in community. And there's some things that we know about God because we've walked with them, him, through things. And that is, that's the how. Being in his word and walking with him is how we continue to grow in our cycle, or the cycle of growth and knowledge. So Dennis, how do we apply this? All right. Well, I love that bay leaf story. <laughs> Right. That's good. Thanks. How many like little landmines you don't know are going on in your your family's uh, extended family's lives? It's wonderful. Um, so you know when we go to the Holy Land, uh, we take tours over there. The land kind of has a message of itself. So here you see a satellite picture of Israel. On the left is the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, in the top of the picture, you see what looks like a fairly small lake. That's the Sea of Galilee. At the very top of the picture, uh, there's mountains, and there's the Jordan River running down into the Sea of Galilee. And then the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River runs all the way down to that big body of water you see on the bottom there, and that's the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee receives all the fresh snow melt out of Mount Hermon. It runs down, it runs into the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is fresh water. It's got tons and tons of fish in it, and uh, it's, it's full of life. And then the, the Jordan River runs down through the Jordan Valley and comes uh, at the top of the Dead Sea, comes into the Dead Sea. And everything that goes into the Dead Sea stays in the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is dead. There's no life in there, and it's, uh, it's a dead end. And that's all that happens. So even though it's receiving all this good, amazing water from the Sea of Galilee, from the mountains, from the Jordan River, it's not going anywhere. And likewise, uh, as Liz explained in this cycle, if we are actively engaged and giving away what we're getting, then we're having rivers of living water. We're flowing in the Spirit. We're flowing with God. We're putting into practice what he is teaching us, and then we are bringing that to others. We're, we're outflowing uh, in a healthy way. And so what we, uh, conversely, when we just listen to hundreds of podcasts and bone up on knowledge and uh, nerd out on Bible conjunctions and do all this other stuff, we, we, uh, but we don't put it into practice, we're dead. We're like the Dead Sea. We're dead. And so I think as we see this scripture this morning, this first part of the prayer, it's like, hey, uh, we've got to look at what is our study like? What is our community like? What is our service like? Are we, are we flowing out into others uh, for the glory of God? So I think this morning that's, that's a practical challenge to us as we think about COVID. We've had tons of you know, inertia about that. Uh, obviously, uh, we want to be safe and so forth. But now, uh, we've got uh, a safe place to meet. We've got uh, people beginning to serve. And it's just a, really a call to all of us that uh, we've got an 11 o'clock service. We've got plenty of room. It's a, it's a safe spot. But there's 
service that needs doing. I want to shout out to those who serve to put the mulch around the Paris Center and the chapel. Awesome. Um, there's a new family back serving at the Connect Desk today. There's uh, a need for children's ministry. We've been having more visitors uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I think we're going to see more and more visitors, so we need to be ready with greedy, greeters and children's workers. So um, I just want to encourage you to, like, shake off the COVID inertia and the fatigue, and as you get engaged and as you serve, you will be blessed. You will be the Sea of Galilee full of life. And uh, just step into that and call Mark, uh, call me, call Jamie, call Raz, uh, call uh, Leslie if you want to serve. Uh, we've got stuff going on and uh, opportunity to bless others. So that's, uh, that's the call today from the first part of the prayer. Uh, but that brings us uh, to the turning point of the prayer. And the turning point of the prayer is the reminder that we are strengthened with all power, not by our effort, not because Dennis said, get out there and serve, but because the Holy Spirit empowers us. And so the turning point here in the prayer is that uh, we, Paul wants us to, God wants us to be empowered with his spirit, that his power, according to his glorious might, and that fruit of that is that we have endurance, patience, and joy. So how we walk through this pandemic and the, uh, I hope and pray, the end of this pandemic, and how we do that with endurance and patience and joy is not because we try harder. It's because we have the access in Christ to the power of the Holy Spirit to be strengthened from within according to His glorious might not according to our effort. And so that leads us to giving thanks to the Father because the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light, the saints in light. And this, this brings up the theme of the Exodus because we see here pictures of the Exodus from Egypt and the heading towards the promised land. The inheritance that the Jews had was their land in the promised land. That was the inheritance God promised to Abraham and to uh, all of the patriarchs. Well, Paul is evoking that image, except for we're in a new exodus now. We're in the exodus out of ordinary self-help human life into the life of the Holy Spirit provided by Jesus uh, in which we overcome the the slavery we had to sin, and, and we get to move into the kingdom. And so he's qualified us. That, may, that means he has made us sufficient. He has rendered us fit. He has equipped us to perform our duties in the kingdom by the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the cross. That's the work that is the good news that's bearing fruit that Paul talked about in the first eight verses of chapter one, and now he's, he's expanding that, and he's blowing that out, and he's saying, your inheritance, we've qualified us to share in the inheritance, that's the kingdom of God. That's not the promised land of Israel anymore, uh, that's the new heaven and the new earth that's coming. And so this massive picture of us walking out uh, into this inheritance, into this kingdom, 
uh, in the glory strength of God. So it's not about trying harder. It's about being filled with the power of God living in him. It's putting Jesus at the center. It's finished. Jesus paid it all. So the true gospel, uh, I, I put a few points here that on the next slide. The Father pours out his grace. Jesus earns our salvation for us. Holy Spirit gives us power to walk a worthy life, right? And then that the evidence of that happening is that we have endurance and patience and joy. So if COVID has the best of you, it may be that you have uh, lost, either by sin or by lack of faith, the fullness of the Spirit. And it's time to say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. It's the perfect antidote to COVID fatigue and inertia, and it's, it's all centered on Jesus. And there are just surprising ways that Jesus knows about the bay leaves of our lives. There's surprising ways that Jesus can speak to us. Let me just give you one that happened to us. We obviously are transitioning from staff over the next 15 months, and we won't have an ongoing salary, right? So uh, we're not retiring. We're going to keep plugging away. But we live in Marymount, and our taxes have gone through the roof. And uh, they've got new schools and all kinds of stuff going on, which is great. But it doesn't quite fit the budget of uh, a fixed income. And we're talking about taxes that are like close to 25000 a year, right? It's not like a $2,000 or $3,000 issue. It's a significant issue. And the good news is that we thought, okay, we're going to... Looks like we better move so we can afford to live in the, in the way we want to live and keep serving and being in the kingdom. And I get a letter from P&G Canada. I left P&G Canada in 1988. I started there in 1978. And I became an international employee of P&G. And uh, they, they, they had a profit-sharing plan. And it, it was so rich that they discontinued it because they couldn't keep affording it. So they replaced it with something else, which was fine. What I didn't know is that because I had 10 years up there, I qualified for a pension. I had no clue of this. So I get a letter, and the pension is for $32,600 a year uh, until I die, from 65 until I die. And then after that, Marianne gets it for 10 years uh, if she outlives me. And if you translate that Canadian money into American money, you get the taxes that we don't know how to pay mm -hmm. are being paid. Wow. So not only that, but a clear message from God, stay put. I have stuff for you to do here. And obviously, we're planning for this to be our church long term. So praise God. But he, he empowers things. Now, all around us, all around us, we hear false gospels. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't even know about that pension. He brought it, he brought it forth. Okay, you see false gospels all over the place. Let me give you an example. This is from the Reverend Dr. Senator Raphael Warnock, who is the pastor of the church that Martin Luther King used to pastor, Martin Luther King Jr. used to pastor. 
So he tweets this on Easter. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. It continues, whether or not you are a Christian, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is not the gospel. Yes, we can love each other. Yes, we can invest in missionaries. Yes, we can do lots of things uh, under the overall direction of Jesus Christ. But we cannot save ourselves. We cannot live a life worthy of the Lord without the Lord, without the Holy Spirit. And so I want you over this series to really keep your ears tuned to th this idea of false gospels. And, and, you know, remind yourself that over and over again, it's because he died on the cross. It's because he rose from the grave. It's because he ascended into heaven. It's because he poured out the Holy Spirit that we have a fighting chance. And without that, we are dead in the water. Mm -hmm. We are dead in the water. Mm -hmm. So we need Jesus, and we need his Holy Spirit in order to please the Father. Amen? Okay. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah. All right. So Liz, yeah. take it away. I know. How I are we going to apply this? That's a great question. I love that. Um, I love these verses that this, the Spirit of God is what gives us the power to walk in a manner worthy of God. Because we can't just try hard enough. Like, we can't save ourselves as a Warnock claimed. And so I love that this, that Paul doesn't just ask them to walk in a manner worthy of God without reminding them of the power of God that they have in the Spirit. So what we're going to do briefly right now is we're going to pair up with people around you, or if you're at home, your family, or if you're alone at home, you can do it by yourself. Um, and we're just going to pray these verses over one another. So it's going to be brief, but we're just going to pray these verses about the Spirit's strength and power, glory, glorious might over one another this morning as practice for what we can do all week in praying this prayer over our lives and our families. So go ahead and pair up, and Dennis and I will bring you back in a minute or two. Yeah, and if you're online and uh, if you're by yourself, uh, give someone a call mm. and pray with them over the phone because this is an opportunity for us to bless each other.
So, Father, we pray that this congregation would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Amen. 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 And that's a daily prayer, folks. Ask for the Spirit every day. Every day. And if you, if you ha run into some sin, uh, you might have to do it multiple times a day. Because every time we sin, we quench the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we need to be confessing and seeking forgiveness and then getting refilled. We're like leaky balloons, unfortunately. But God can keep us full. All right, now we're ready to walk in the kingdom. You know, Jesus told Nicodemus that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again from above. So to see the kingdom, uh, we have in view here uh, how God spoke to Jesus at his baptism, his beloved son, uh, literally the son of his love is how that text goes. And we, we see here that Jesus has delivered us. That word deliver there means rescued, drawn to himself from the domain of darkness. That's the kingdom of Satan into which we are all born, into which we must emigrate uh, by the grace of God into the kingdom of light. Well, this is exactly what Jesus has done. He's transferred us. He's brought us. He's removed us. He's carried us away from the kingdom of darkness, and he's translated us into the kingdom of light. It means that he has uh, become our passport for emigrating from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is the exodus into a future that is only he that can provide, and it says then that we have redemption. That word redemption means to pay the ransom or to liberate someone from the slave market. To literally purchase us out of slavery and bring us into freedom. Purchase us out of what? Out of slavery to sin. Out of our self-centeredness, our unbelief, and our idolatry into the kingdom uh, of light. And there we have this total redemption. Why? Because sin has been forgiven. So the key is to uh, recognize that only by the cross does Jesus allow us to have our sin forgiven and to make this transfer into the kingdom of light. Isn't that so good? Isn't yes. that just so awesome? That's the good news. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the good news that we get to share with everyone as we leave here today. And um, for the application to that, I'm going to turn things over to Liz. And uh, we're going to actually have some flip charts and uh, give you a little bit of interaction time. So, uh, Jamie, yeah, if you want to bring that other one up. Liz, it's all yours. Awesome. Thanks, Dennis. These are some of my favorite verses in Scripture. This picture, actually, could you not put that up yet? This picture of um, us being delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son is one of my favorite in all of scripture. So the way I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony today and the way I've seen God 
actively do this in my life. So before I started walking with Jesus, I had a really high desire to be a really good person. That was my highest value. That was what I used my energy for. And and if I couldn't be a really good person, I at least wanted people to think I was a really good person. Does anyone relate to that? (laughs) So if you thought of my life as a bike wheel, I was in the center of the wheel. I was the hub. I apologize if you guys can't all see this. I'll turn it really quickly just so you can get a quick, yeah. Okay. Um, So I was in the center of the wheel, and all of the spokes around me were the things I was doing to try to build this, like, kingdom where the mantra was, Liz is a good person. Okay? So I was in high school at the time, so some of the things that I did to do this were I was a, oh, this is, Lid is on here very tight. There we go. (laughs) I was a really good student. I tried to be a good student. Many of the women in here are in Bible study with me and know I have horrible handwriting. So just, and it gets worse like the longer I write, so just be prepared. (laughs) I was a good student. I did a lot of service projects. I did mission trips. Um, I went to church. So Jesus was a spoke on my wheel. I believed in Jesus. I believed that Jesus was part of being a good person. Like good people went to church and believed in Jesus. So he was on my wheel. Um, What are some other things that you guys do or have done in this pursuit of being a good person in your life? Or if you've ever had this desire to like be even, um, to save yourselves as uh, Warnock said. That you're like, oh, if I do this, then God will, like, God will like me or the world will be okay with me. What are, you guys can just shout out. What are some good person things that we do? Generosity, Generosity okay. D- Burr, what did you say? Was that you? Help others. Help others, yep. Help, generous. What else? Sharing. I love sharing. That's so good. Yes. Okay. Let others go first. Yep. Okay. So there's a lot of of things we could add to this wheel dependent on our personality or the stage of life that we're in. But the ultimate idea is that I was doing all of those things to build the kingdom of me so that I would be made great. Right? Until I had a transformative experience in college where I learned that Jesus was not meant to be just a spoke on my wheel. Where's church? Jesus was not meant to be just a spoke on my wheel, that he was meant to be the center. He didn't come to make me a good person. He came, Jesus came because I was a dead person who needed to be made spiritually alive. Or in the words of Paul, Jesus came because I was resi- residing in the domain of darkness and I needed to be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is what the domain of darkness looks like. This is what it looked like for me. It looked like being a really good person. (laughs) But I was motivated by myself, my own glory, and um, and, and I want to add, because Jesus was a spoke on my wheel, um, like, the enemy was very content with that. The enemy of my soul, who came to steal and kill and destroy, was very content with Jesus being a spoke on my wheel. 
But thankfully, God was not content with that. God wanted to be the center of my wheel. I have a favorite prayer. You can bring it up now. Um, This is on a church that's near my house, and I walk by it almost every day because I walk a lot. I walk by this area a lot. And it says, the prayer says, to make Jesus central in the life of young and old as the way, the truth, and the life. I love this sign because it is, it is my story of how God transformed my life. And I get to walk by it constantly and be reminded of what God has done in my life. So as I was, I, as I was happily residing in the domain of darkness, <laughs> God intervened and sent a person into my life. She was on staff with a campus ministry at the, at the University of Toledo, where Royce and I went to college. Um, I got to know her, and we ended up having a conversation one day where she asked me um, the question, on a scale of zero to 100%, if you were to die tonight, how sure are you would go to heaven? And I said, 99%. She said, what would make you say that percentage? And I said, because I'm a really good person, and I believe in God. (laughs) And she said, okay, well, let's talk about that more. And so she proceeded to share the gospel with me. We went through a little booklet that had some main points of the gospel. Um, she told me that God loved me, had a plan for my life, that, my, that his plan was that I would know him, that my sin separated me from God and resulted in spiritual death. In other words, I was living in the domain of darkness. But Jesus came to pay the penalty for my sin to give me spiritual life or to transfer me into the kingdom of his beloved son. As we went through this booklet, every page I was like, oh, I've heard that verse before. I've seen that before. Like nothing, in the, nothing was new to me in this book. And we got to the prayer at the end where it was a prayer of um, asking God to be on the throne of your life, asking Jesus to be on the throne of your life and to pay the penalty for your sins. And I was like, I've prayed this before. She was like, really? I'm like, yeah, I was at this FCA retreat in high school, and I dedicated my life to the Lord in this moment. And um, what I didn't know, though, was that choosing, um, choosing to trust in Christ was the basis of my relationship with God. So she told me that day, if you've, if you've trusted in Jesus, that's how you can know that you'll be with him in heaven someday. And that moment with her, I, can, I have a terrible memory, but I can remember sitting with her. We were at a blue table and we were in the pizza place of my dorm, Marco's Pizza, where you expect all holy moments to begin, right? So we were sitting there together, and I remember just being utterly changed by this truth that, um, that I could know God because of what Jesus did, had done and not because of what I did. And so in that moment, Jesus, I went, my life changed from me being the center to Jesus being the center of my wheel, And Jesus being the center of my wheel changed every spoke on my wheel. So Jesus changed the way I was a student. Jesus changed the way I was a friend. He changed the way I was a daughter. Eventually, Jesus would change the way that I would be a wife and a mother. Jesus changed the way I invested my time. He changed my career path. I'm now in full-time ministry. 
Didn't even know him when I started college. <laughs> so I would love to hear what making Jesus central has changed in your life. I, this is like congregational testimony. So I would love to hear, just shout out, like what spokes on your wheel have been completely changed by knowing Jesus and making him central? Friends? Mm-hmm. Yep. Career? Yep. What else? Activities, thought life? Purpose? Uh-huh. Inner peace, yes. Yep. What was that one? Health? Health? Okay. Help or hell? <laughs> okay. Thanks, Tilly. Thanks for clarifying for me. Okay. Your service? Mm-hmm. Yep. You changed your prayers? Yeah. Those are all really good. Yeah. Joy? Yep. Yep. Praise God. It's so cool to see how God has worked so uniquely in the lives of everyone in this room, um, or everyone who shared through making Jesus central. Um, sometimes I think it's challenging for me because I, I did not have an outwardly dramatic conversion experience. Like if you look at these two um, pictures, I don't know if anyone in the room can see both of them at the same time. You guys can. Do they look pretty similar? They do. Like not a, if from a distance, not much changed about my outward behavior. Like, don't get me wrong, like, God brought me victory in areas of sin, but the average outsider in my life may not have known that a lot changed in my life. But I knew that God had changed my heart, my motivations, what I loved. Now I can say I, I just love him more than anything. Like, I want to know him more than anything. Um, whereas before, you know, he was just a spoke on my wheel. He was like a card in my back pocket if I was in an emergency, you know. <laughs> um, and some of you, I want to address this too. Some of you, you're like me in the center wheel looks very different from mine. Like you, you chose really, you were like the opposite. Like I want to go outright and chase after as much sin as I can. Okay. But the point is we were both living in the domain of darkness. No matter what spokes were on your wheel, when you were in the center, you were in the domain of darkness. <laughs> I was, you were. And we were still spiritually dead, and we still needed Jesus. And we needed him to come, and we needed him to become the center so that we could experience all of these things that he gives us in Christ. I want to read a quote to close us. Um, this is from the book Gentle and Lowly. It's a book that I love. The tagline is it's a book about the heart of Jesus for sinners and sufferers. It's by Dane Ortland. So Dane says, We can vent our fleshly passions by breaking all the rules, or we can vent our fleshly passions by keeping all the rules. That was me. But both ways of venting the flesh still need resurrection, right? 
We can be immoral dead people or we can be moral dead people. Either way, we are dead. The mercy of God reaches down and rinses clean not only the obviously bad people, but the fraudulently good people, both of whom equally stand in need of resurrection. Yes, amen. So I just want to invite you guys to consider something this morning as we close. Um, Actually, I'm going to invite the worship team up. They're going to lead us in one of my favorite songs from college called Jesus Be the Sinner. And um, I just want you to invite you to consider if Jesus is central in your life, like if you've made that choice to make Jesus central in your life, what spokes on your wheel are not connected to him right now? Like what spokes are, are you are you not surrendering or holding back? So if you think about the spoke not connected, it's like spinning off, kind of like that initial chart, right, where our sin was what spun us off, that chart of not knowing God. Um, you can take it. I'll take those so they don't fall. Um, so think about, I want you to think about with God, what spokes on your wheel are not connected to the center. And you can take some time to pray over that. You can come up here and pray. You can receive prayer. Dennis and I will be praying. You can pray with your friends. For some of you in the room, you might think to yourself, I have been living for the kingdom of myself. I have been the center of my wheel all along. At no point have I put Jesus in the center of my wheel. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to consider doing that today. And Dennis and I would love to pray with you over that too. So I invite you as we worship together to just ask God, um, what he might want you to see in your heart and your life today and connect it to him because he's the source of life and he's the, he is the one who brings us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So, thanks.
Father, thank you, Lord. We thank you for the good news, the good news of Jesus, Lord. And we're asking today, Lord, that you would be the center. Father, I ask that as we pray this prayer this week, you would transform our homes, our workplaces, our communities, our neighbors. Lord, that we seek you trust you for the power to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. As our benediction today, let's, uh, let's pray this prayer from Ephesians 5 uh, over one another. Let's just pray it out loud. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May the truth of the gospel fill you this day and this week. Have a great week. God bless.